All right, Psalm 71, Psalm 71. If you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Psalms, verse by verse. And Psalm 71 uh, is very, very interesting. I'm sure I'm going to offend someone here this morning. I don't do that intentionally. I'm not apologizing for the word of God at all. The word of God is the word of God. Uh, I'm not attacking any age group. But as we look at this psalm, it appears that an older person wrote this psalm. And so we're going to glean a lot of information from this psalm. So, you know, before the walls go up and this and that, and you start thinking, well, you don't know my case, just listen to the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to do His work. As soon as you start putting walls up, you personally are going to miss out on what the Holy Spirit wants to do with you. And if I've offended you and you want to talk with me, please come up afterwards. I'll be more than happy to love on you and apologize to you and pray with you. But just know up front, there's no offense. I'm not trying to offend anybody. But we do teach the Word of God here. And it is very, very applicable, Psalm 71. Father, we pray for wisdom, we pray for discernment, we pray that you would be glorified. This is your word, this is your love letter. So Father, I pray for the gift of teaching. And that every heart in this room right now would be open and sensitive to their role in Christianity. Father, we thank you and praise you for this opportunity to study your word. And we pray for our service personnel, Lord, as this past week, more gave up their lives so that we might have freedom. So, Father, help us never to take it for granted, to never get caught up in the politics, but to pray for those who are defending our freedoms, to lift them up, to lift up the families, to be there to support them in any way possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Psalm 71, we're not exactly sure who wrote this psalm, but it may have been someone who ministered in the temple area, one of those men who were assigned to sing praises to God throughout the day. But in my mind, it could also be David, and I I heavily lean towards David. And I think you'll see why as we go through the psalm. But, But whoever wrote it, They wrote it from the perspective of old age. And so, as we should the scriptures, we're going to approach it from that perspective as well. And I think something unfortunate has happened within the church over the years with the older saints. When I say church, I mean Big C. Not just Calvary Chapel, but Big C. And the result could be subtle. That subtle blending together of physical and spiritual aspects of our lives. And so, John, we got a slide. Since I've retired from serving in the workforce, then I have the freedom to retire from serving in the church. Now, I don't think people literally think that way, per se, but the enemy is very, very subtle. What might be another example? Well, as our children get into Sunday school and they go through the Sunday school and they're finally out of the Sunday school, it can come into our minds, wow, when somebody comes out and says, hey, would you like to serve in the Sunday school? We can think in our minds, no, I did my tour of duty. I I did that battle. I'm not doing that again. Now, who determined that? Because most of the times when we ask for volunteers, most of the time, if we're honest with ourselves, most of the time there's an immediate no. So who determined that? I did. Did I pray about it? 
Did I ask God sincerely, would you have me serve in this capacity? Whatever, don't get hung up on the kids. Whatever capacity that might be in, did I sincerely pray or did I just say, nope, not for me. I did my tour of duty. I've done that, been there. No, I'm not doing that. This is what the psalm I believe is addressing for you and for me. You see, nothing could be further from the truth, but then we know that the enemy of our soul is not concerned about the truth, but rather how he might make the church as ineffective as possible. Ineffective as possible. You see, when we get to certain seasons of our life, we get this idea that we're of no more value, for whatever reason it might be. And we believe that lie, and it is a lie from the pit of hell. Because as you read the scriptures, every Christian, and you will never find a retirement in Christianity, every Christian has a spiritual gift. And you as a Christian, as a believer, should be using your spiritual gift. If not, the body suffers. The body as a whole suffers. And what I'd like to point out is the psalmist makes some very good points to the readers of this psalm. So I would encourage you older saints. I would encourage you older saints. Uh, you want to slip that ahead one, John? I would encourage you older saints to really pay attention to see if you're stuck in spiritual neutral. You know, Clyde and I have been doing marriage ministry for th- over 30 years. And, and we wrote a little pamphlet. And in the pamphlet, we have an analogy of a car. If you have a car and you have a slight slope and you put the car in drive and it's idling high enough where it will creep up the slope if you leave it in drive. You can't use the gas, you can't use the brake, but it will creep up the slope. Here's the question. If you put it in neutral, what happens? The car stops and then the car rolls back. If you put it in reverse... The car rolls back. You see, you have three choices. I can put it in drive. I can put it in neutral. I can put it in reverse. But if I want to get up the hill, I only have one option. And that is to put it in D for drive. And in Christianity, we have many choices given to us throughout the day, the weeks, the months, our lifetime. Many, many choices. But if we want to become more like Jesus, if we're really serious about that, we're not just playing church, if we're really serious about being more like Jesus, we only have one option. And that's to put it in drive. And ask God, what does that mean in my life specifically? Because my, my D might be a little bit different than somebody else's, but it's still in D for drive. I want to be moving forward. I want to be more like God. I want to be more like Jesus. So verses 1 through 3 in Psalm 71. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Now let's just say the person, because we don't know how old, but just for conversation purposes, let's say this person writing this is 60 years old. Now I know some of you saints are going, well, that's just a young buck. 60 is 60. Because in the early 1900s, in America, the average lifespan was 35 years old. In America, in the early 1900s. In many countries today, the average lifespan is 35 years old. We've been blessed with modern medication and technology. 
So this older person here who is addressing us, he says, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in my righteous, in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be my strong refuge to which I may resort continually. You have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. What are a few things that this older saint proclaims in these verses? That he still trusts in God. That he still prays, knowing that God will answer. That he still relies upon the strength of God. And that God is his refuge. Refuge means abode in the Hebrew. And so I went to Webster's abode. That sounds really important. Abode. Well, that means a place of continuance. A place of continuance. It means to dwell. And when it's used in the sense of God, it's the tabernacle or temple. It's the tabernacle or temple. And if this is David... We can look at his life and see that he loved to spend time with God. As well as being in the temple area. Which then deepened his trust in the Lord all the days of his life. This is what the psalmist is saying. He was not ashamed to call God his God. And this is creeping into Christianity. Christianity is on a full-out frontal attack. And you and I have to be ready to be called on the carpet when someone might say, oh, you're one of those Christians? Then you might just want to ask a simple question. Well, what are those Christians you're talking about? Let's define those Christians. You know, just start simply, engage. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. For it leads to salvation. And when somebody comes at you with anger, come back at them with love. Well, let's talk. I'm glad you brought that up. What are those Christians you speak of? Give me some definitions. And then I'll answer your question. You see, David wasn't ashamed. He took a stand for God and proclaimed God's faithfulness. You see, the younger generations... The younger generations have always and still need to see these types of men and women. Now, when I say younger generation, oftentimes we immediately think of the teens and the little ones. And for me, I'd like to be more specific and say, no, this is for anyone younger than you. So if you're in your 80s, this applies to 70-year-olds and 60-year-olds. Because I'm just a young pup in my late 50s. You've been there, done that. So you think, oh, you're just a young pup. Wait till it happens to you. Why don't you come alongside and tell me what's going to happen to me? And give me some insight. And give me some wisdom. Not just the bad part. But how did God help you through that? How did God sustain you? You see, that's what's being talked about here. Is not always just leaving the person to figure it out themselves, as we often do, and snicker as we walk away. Oh, wait till they. Why don't we come alongside one another? As well as the 40s, 30s, 20s. And the person, yes, this is an older person, will say in their 60s, but how about you in your 40s? Could you come alongside a 30-year-old? Could you come alongside a 20-year-old? As we read through through the psalm, 
Could you do that to encourage them and strengthen them? You could if you were available. If you chose to. If you wanted to be used of God. If you want to put it in D. Instead of maybe hanging around in N. Or maybe having it in R. It says, you have given me the commandment to save me at the end of verse 3. Notice this. For you are my rock and my fortress. Those three words to save me. They mean to deliver, to be kept safe, to save from moral troubles. Notice that. To save from moral troubles. You have given the commandment to save me from moral troubles. But do I bother reading your commandments? Do I bother reading from Genesis to Revelation? Or No, I I read a few verses here and there and I'm okay. I'm going to church on Sunday. Pastor, don't push it now. No, have you read from Genesis to Revelation? Do you even know what the commandments are? Not just the big ten. And not just in your head. Do they impact your heart? Because it's not about head knowledge. Thou shall not murder. Well, I haven't killed anybody, so I'm okay. Well, if you read your Bible, Jesus said, if you have hatred in your heart towards somebody, you've already committed murder. See, Jesus took it from the head to the heart. You have hatred towards somebody? You're committing murder. Whoa. Yeah, read the whole Bible. Read all of it. So that you might grow. And those commandments, they keep us safe. Because some people look at God as a cosmic killjoy. When in fact, He's trying to safeguard our hearts as well as our lives. Because life can bring great contentment, peace, joy, etc. when we allow God's word to guide us through the many decisions that are made throughout the day. Life has its problems. There's no doubt about that. And that will not necessarily make life any easier. But those godly attributes that God freely bestows upon his children, freely upon you and me, will keep us safe from the enemy And bring joy and peace into our lives that nothing else will. So the psalmist proclaims there, You have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. For you are my hope, O Lord God. Notice what this oldest saint is saying. You are my trust from my youth. By you I have been upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall be continually of you. You guys notice something here? This person has had a relationship, not a religion, a relationship with the Lord for decades now. Look over at verses 17 and 18. Oh God, you have taught me from my youth. And to this day, I declare your wondrous works. Notice that. He's in his 60s. And he's willing to declare God's works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, oh God, do not forsake me. Until, I have this highlighted in my Bible. I encourage you to highlight this. Until what? Until I declare your strength to this generation. The people that are living with me right now. 
your power to everyone who is to come. Not only this generation, but the next generation and the next generation. Until I take my last breath, God, give me strength to declare your goodness and your faithfulness. That is the call for all of us. You see, he is able to look back and see God's wonderful hand upon his life. And that's called a testimony. That's called a testimony. And because of God's faithfulness, he declares that God is his hope and that he will praise him. Notice at the end of verse 6 there, that he will praise him continually. I find this very interesting as I, I try to go out and I, do, I try to visit uh, older saints, especially those that are homebound. And we were visiting some older, I was visiting some older saints this past week and, and we sat down, how you doing, this, that, and the other thing, you know, all the polite stuff. And, the, and then it got into a diatribe of doctors and pills and this, that, and the other thing as we like to talk about when we get older. Well, who have you seen lately? Well, what medication are you on? Well, I can beat that surgery. Well, after about five minutes, she, she finally said, enough, enough, enough. Let's open the word. Let's sing some songs. Let's pray. You see, guys, that's really what it's all about. The body's going to fall apart. That's no surprise. You're not surprising anybody by telling people you're falling apart. But how about praising God? How about surprising somebody with giving someone an exhortation of, you know, my body's falling apart, but God showed me this in the Bible. God encouraged me this past week in this. You know, since I've been a teenager when I received the Lord, or when, since my 30s, or, you know, a month ago, I, I was in my 60s, and I received Christ a month ago. And you know what Jesus has done for me since then? Guys, that's what it's all about, is having that testimony. Let me ask you a few questions. Can older saints do that? Can you declare God in his hope, and, that he, and can you praise him continually? Do the younger saints see you as a blessing or do they see you as a grouch? And I have an even more important question. John, you got that slide? Do the younger saints even see you? Do the younger saints even see you? And that younger saint could be in their 60s. And you're in your 80s. Again, oftentimes we think, well, I don't want to mess with teenagers. I think you should pray about who God wants you to mess with. And stop making the decision for God. Let God make the decision who you should mess with. Because sometimes we have to go and come alongside somebody. They don't know it, you don't know it, but all of a sudden when it happens, you go, God, this is ordained. And there is a specific verse for that. That God has ordained good works for you and I to walk in. I think it's Ephesians 2.10. But if we're not walking, if we've got it in neutral or reverse, how are we going to get to those divine appointments? We're not. We're going to miss them. And God will set somebody else up. But don't we all want to get to heaven and hear that line that Jesus said, Well done, thou good and faithful servants. We're made good by the blood of Christ. And Christ will finish our walk. But it does take faithfulness on my part. How are you being in your faithfulness? Let's look at Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14. 
You see, are you available to be used or did you retire from the ministry, older saints? Joshua 14, verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot was trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord God. Notice what Caleb did. He just didn't sit around in the lazy boy, saying, Okay, God, give us Israel, give us the land. No, he got up and he went forward. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive and... As he said, these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet I am strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war both for going out and coming in. And as you do the math, he's been in Israel for seven years. He went in for battle seven years earlier. He fought for seven years. And now he's saying, I'm feeling good. And I want my plot of land. Joshua, give it to me. He didn't say, hey, would the young bucks go and get it for me? I'm a little tired. I retired. I hung up the sword. And it's really their responsibility anyways. I've been there and done that. No. No, 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 no. Now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakin were there. And that the cities were great and fortified. It may be. Notice this. It may be that the Lord will be with me. And I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. I don't hear any retirement in that. I hear D. It's in drive. Give me the command to go and I am out of here and I will get the land. Because the Lord God is with me. You see, how's the next generation going to have examples to follow if the older saints are not leading? I can't think about that. How is the next generation, and again, think about this. John, go ahead and throw that slide up. There you go. How, how is the next generation? So if I'm in my 20s, I need to be looking to the teens. If I'm in my 30s, I should be looking at the 20s and the teens. If I'm in my 40s, 30s, 20 teens, you know, you guys got it. But unfortunately, we just get to this certain season of life and we don't look anywhere. It's about me. It's about my wants, my desires. How can I be comfortable? Pastor, don't make me uncomfortable. You're stepping on my toes. Put your toes under the chair. How can you sit there? How can I just sit around and watch this world go to hell? We have to be involved somehow. And again, that's going to look different in everybody's life. But are you involved at all? Or is it just Sunday morning? Yeah, I punched the clock. I'm good. I did Sunday morning. 
No. No, it's not good. You see, the psalmist here is sharing his testimony, and it should be a part of yours as well as mine. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He says, imitate me. John, you want to throw that slide up? Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. That is a scary verse. That is a really scary verse. Paul is most likely in his 50s or 60s right now. He's not in his 20s or 30s when he's writing this. He's most likely in his 50s or 60s. And he's saying, follow me. Imitate me as I follow Christ. So here's a little homework that I'd like to give you this week. For you to ask the Holy Spirit where you're at in your Christian walk. Just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, if someone was to follow me this week, this whole week, if someone was to follow me, what would be their example and what would they become like? And then this week, as you're going through the the week and just asking the Lord about that, start writing things down at the end of the week and look back and go, well, they wouldn't read their Bible because I haven't read my Bible all week. Well, they they haven't had prayer time because I haven't bothered having prayer time. Yeah, I had it when I was going down the freeway at 75 miles an hour, but is that really prayer time? Yeah, I went to Sunday church, but I didn't do anything else after that. Yeah, I don't mess with Christian music. No fun. Yeah, I like going to movies. R-rated ones are really cool nowadays. Just ask yourself some very simple questions. You don't have to look at anybody else. Just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, if I was to have another Christian follow me, how would they end up at the end of the week? Would they be more like Jesus? Or would they wonder if I'm a Christian? That could be very convicting. I have to evaluate my heart just like you. And I, and I know you all think that it's my responsibility to be, you know, on the straight and narrow while you all do what you want to do. I don't look at it that way. It's on all of us to be on the straight and narrow. We're all to be more like Jesus. And so we pray for you, and I know many of you pray for us. And that's the way it should be. But we've got to look at the psalmist and say, hey, what is the psalmist saying here? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 6. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 6, 10 through 12. Imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ. Hebrews chapter 6. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Notice that. Every one of you. Until the end. The end of what? Do you take your last breath. Christian retirement? Get it out of your vocabulary. Get it out of your brain. It does not apply. There is no such thing as Christian retirement. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The promises. Now, I know I'm painting with a wide brush, so if what I'm saying is not applicable to you as an older saint, then don't worry about it. There are many older saints in this flock here that serve, that love, that do many, many things. So obviously, there's no guilt or condemnation coming from here. This is just a Bible study for conviction of the Holy Spirit. So if it's not applicable, don't worry about it. But if the Holy Spirit's talking to you right now and you're feeling uncomfortable, then why don't you do something about it? 
step up to the plate and become available to serve. Because the generations behind you need to see and hear about God's goodness. A fact that just came that we just read yesterday. There are more 50-year-olds living together now than in the 2000 census. 50-year-olds shacking up. So you're in your 60s or 70s. Do you think a 50-year-old needs to hear the Bible? But right away when we think of younger generation, not 17-year-olds, now let the 20-year-olds take care of them. I don't want to mess with them. How about messing with a 50-year-old? You want to mess with a 50-year-old who calls themselves a Christian and they're living together? And they may even go into another church and in that church is socially acceptable? Because there are churches out there that have no issue with it. Just keep coming, fill the pews, bring the money. We don't care what you're doing. Just, you know, no. No, It doesn't matter to me. The numbers don't matter. The money doesn't matter. Faithfulness to Christ matters. And I know it matters to many of you in this room as well. So here's the exhortation. Are we available to be used by God? You see, the generation behind you need to see and hear about God's goodness, His faithfulness, His grace and mercy. You see, you're never too old. You're never too old, but the forces of darkness would like you to believe that you are. Gals, you're never too old. You're never too old. How many of you have gone through an illness like my wife and now she's available? It's opened up a whole other door of ministry, my wife's cancer, for her. To minister to older women as well as younger women. But she's available. She's made herself available. You have to make that choice. You can hunker down and trudge through Christianity or you can become available. You see, this is what the psalmist is saying. I'm available. Verse 7 and 8, I have become as a wonder to many, but you are my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and your glory all that day. You see, even though others might think you're nuts for serving and loving this unseen God, we can just praise Him for allowing us to know and to serve Him because there's no greater entity in this world. And at the end of this life, we will be able to enter into the joy of our Lord and again hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Verses 9 through 13, they're a prayer for God's protection. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me. When my strength fails, for my enemies speak against me and those who lie in wait for my life take counsel together. And again, this just sounds a lot like David saying God has forsaken him. Pursue and take him for there is none to deliver him. Oh God, do not be far from me. Oh my God, make haste to help me. Let them be confounded and consumed who are my adversaries of my life. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor who seek my hurt. A prayer life. 14 through 16. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. Forget about the pills and the surgeries. Hope in God. But I will hope continually and I praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day. For I do not know their limits. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness of yours only. I mean, what a great verse when the enemy is pressing in upon us. This seasoned saint says that he's going to praise God more and more. 
that he's been pressed and has found God to be faithful. Is there anything too hard for our God to handle? Is there anything? Notice as well that the psalmist is making mention of God's salvation and his righteousness, not his own. Let's look at Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. And as we turn there, now this is in context with, you know, some people said back then, well, you know, I'd like to worship on Saturday. And others said, well, I'd like to worship on Sunday. Uh, somebody might said, well, I don't, I don't want to eat meat. And another person's going, well, I, I just, I, I I want to eat meat. And so there's, there, there was this contention in the church. So that what, what is, that's what Paul is addressing here by these verses. So Romans 14, 5 through 8. He says, One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day. Now here's the crux of the whole issue. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. You want to worship on Saturday? Worship on Saturday. I've had people come in and tell me that I'm not saved. As a pastor, I'm not saved because I teach a flock on Sunday morning. And it's supposed to be a Sabbath day. <laughs> like, get out of my face. It's like, grow up. And he who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord. In and out burger, praise God. <laughs> Brussels sprouts, eat them, have fun, do it, whatever. For he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat, but give God thanks. Here it is. For none of us lives to himself. Tell this to the average American. Are you serious? It's all about me. It is all about me, they will tell you. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, what does your Bible say? What does your Bible say? You know what that last word means? Master. If he's my master, that makes me the servant. And this garbage in modern Christianity, where we're now the master and God is our servant, and if I go to church and I pray a certain way and I give a certain amount of money, God, you better come through. That's a bunch of garbage. If he's my Lord, if he's my master, why am I not asking him what I should be doing for the kingdom of God? Instead of telling him what I'm going to do for the kingdom of God. Because it's not, it's not the kingdom of God then. It's the kingdom of Jim. Just call it what it is. It's the kingdom of Jim. And God, this is what I'm going to do. Don't disrupt my plans. Because this is the kingdom of Jim. That's not going to go over very well. For we are the Lord's. Verses 17 through 21 in Psalm 71. Oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day, I declare your wondrous works. Again, look at that exhortation. How are you sharing your testimony? I don't want to hear about the 70s. What have you done for the Lord this past week, this past month, this past year? What has the Lord done through you? How has the Lord ministered to you? Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, oh God, do not forsake me, until I declare your strength to this generation. Your power to everyone who is to come. 
Also, your righteousness, O God, is very high. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? Who You who have shown me great and severe troubles, notice this, shall revive me again. He still trusts in God. And bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Again, we see why this man's faith is so strong. Even though he's been through great and severe troubles, he proclaims, Oh God, who is like you? Because God will bring us through it all, every time, every situation. For me, as I read these verses, it's pretty easy to see mentoring taking place. So with this slide, who needs to hear these things? The younger generation of believers. However that plays out in our lives. Not just the teens. For me, I'm personally mentoring five guys in their 40s and 30s. That's who the Lord's brought into my life right now. And some other people as well. So, who are you mentoring? Who are you trying to pass on the wisdom that you have? Or are you going to take it to the grave with you? That's not a bright idea. Second Timothy 2 says this, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And in context, that's dealing with pastors and elders. But again, oftentimes the church gets into this kind of like worldly mode of somebody comes and asks you to do something at the job and you go, well, that's not my job. Matter of fact, I'm part of the union and if I pick up that, that broom, I'll get in trouble with the union. Well, you know, you're in church now and there is no union, so pick up the broom. <laughs> that's ministry. Get out the toilet plunger. Get on the mower. When, when people come alongside here... And they want to learn about ministry. Because most people, this is ministry in most people's minds. For us, ministry is very easy. I, I go to the spa on Monday. It's a wonderful day. It's an all-day spa on Monday. Tuesday, I go golfing. It's phenomenal. Golfing on Tuesday. Wednesday, I go to the gym and work out really hard. Because I have a lunch appointment after that. And then I have to take a nap in the afternoon. On Thursdays, on Thursdays, it's kickback day. Because I've worked so hard on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Now, on Wednesday, I take my, life, my wife out to, to lunch so that we can have a date night after that for the rest of the day. Then on Friday, I go and visit one or two people because I've you know, got to be a pastor. And then on Saturday, I study. In most people's minds, that's what they think of the pastor. And then I invite them to come alongside me. You want to be in the ministry? Yes, great. Come on, let's go. Let's go. When was the last time you used a rake or a shovel? Where's the on switch? It's, it's right here. Here's the on switch. Just these, these two things right here. This is the on switch. That's the ministry, guys. So what's the ministry for you? What's the ministry for you? You see, the ministry needs to be real. Because he goes on to say, Also with the lewd, I will praise you. And your faithfulness, O oh my God, to you I will sing with the harp. Again, just to me, it's David, whoever. O Holy One of Israel, my lips will, shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you and my soul which you have redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought to shame who seek my hurt. You know, when you think who's writing this, it brings a joy to the soul, for me anyways, to think of a person that maybe is in their 60s and they are just rock solid with God. 
They are looking at God. They are praising God. They're seeing the problems that they had. But they are just pressing on so that the next generation can hear about God. So it's just a great exhortation for me as well. And I pray that I'm found in this place as I continue to get older. I'm 58. I pray that I will continue to allow God to build my testimony and that my lips will praise Him until the day I die. And we got this last slide. See, if I stay focused on God and His ways, I can be assured that I will and so will you. But I have a responsibility and so do you. Father, we just thank you and praise you for this psalm. For it's good to remember that there is no such thing as Christian retirement. That there are people that need to know God of all ages. That there are people that need to find Jesus of all ages. And that there are Christians of all ages that need to hear a strong testimony of your faithfulness, of your goodness, of your grace, your mercy, of your chastisement. So, Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would convict your sheep. These are your sheep. Because I know as you convict, you will also give repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And that we as individuals as well as a church would occupy till your son returns. That we wouldn't just be busy for the sake of being busy, but we would be active in the work that you call us to do individually as well as corporately for your glory. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? God bless you. Have a great day. We'd appreciate your prayers. We're heading out to see my dad who is in his hundredth year. And so we're going to be gone the next two days. So we just pray for uh, traveling mercies to California. God bless you guys. Have a great week. If you need to sing together, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. Dressed in his righteousness alone Faultless I stand before the throne Christ alone Cornerstone Weak made strong In the Savior's love